The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to the Leach Report for a Tuesday game day for the Wildcats. Kentucky plays Mississippi State tonight, late tonight at Rupp Arena. We'll be talking about that and more today as we come to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio in Lexington. Neil Price, formerly of the UK Network, now the radio voice of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, will join us. Larry Vaught, back from vacation. And Richard Skinner from Channel 12 in Cincinnati. Talk a little bit about the Bengals and uh, the Cats as well, since he used to cover uh, UK sports for uh, various outlets up in the Cincinnati area. Let's get uh, right to the Wildcat news of the day. It is the service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. We may get word near the end of the show about the Herald Leader Sports Figure of the Year. Don't know. That's, uh, I think I saw Mark Story's tweet yesterday that it would be around 9 a.m. So we're hoping around 9 a.m. might mean about 8.58 or something, and uh, we'll be able to tell you about it before we leave the air today. Uh, it's a tough one. Uh, this year. Some years there's just a standout. You know who's going to get it. This year, I don't. Um, there are a lot of worthy candidates with the Olympic uh, contributions that Kentuckians made and people connected to U.K., uh, volleyball winning a championship, a big year for Kentucky football. So uh, we'll see how uh, see how that shakes out. Hopefully we'll be able to pass that along to you before the show ends today. Uh, on to Kentucky and Mississippi State. Uh, last night of the radio show, Coach Cal did not give us any update on Ty Ty Washington or Xavier Wheeler and their status for the game tonight. He said they did some work with Mintz and Grady at the point in practice yesterday. He said Shaden Sharp got a little bit more work in practice. He said Sharp has, quote, stepped on the gas a little. And uh, Calipari said, quote, our team would like me to put him in. So could that be tonight? I don't know. We'll see. Um, there's a lot to to catch up on. He said if they put him in, at, whenever they do, if they do, that they'll need to keep it simple, let him do what he does best, which is uh, score. And um, I think it's something where whenever they choose to put him in, I think they probably will, um, but uh, whenever they do, uh, if they elect to, I would think it won't be long stretches unless he's just, you know, lighting it up because there will be some, some issues probably, you know, on, on the offensive end, you can run some, some things that uh, you've got him coached up on. You can't open up the full playbook uh, until he gets some some more time under his belt. But it's on the defensive end where you're uh, playing a particular thing a certain way and he hasn't had any experience doing that Um hasn't uh, you know? Doesn't know how you know it works within your system. Yeah, he can guard his own guy, but you know you're gonna you know switch or uh, ice the ball screen, which is you know drive it down the sideline, or you know um, switch or not switch or kind of switch and all of that stuff. But he's also a basketball player, and uh, he can figure it out eventually. So it just more with uh, more as more time passes, he could do more if it goes well if they uh, 
choose to use him. So we'll just have to see. Part of it may factor, too, obviously, in terms of you know, the status of other guys. If Washington and uh, Wheeler uh, don't play and are out for any extended period of time, then you, you have to uh, make adjustments to to give yourself a chance to win. Uh, and this could be a challenge tonight. Calipari called it a, a trap game. So did Orlando Antigua when he talked to the media yesterday. State's 13-5. and five. They're 4-2 and two in the league. Now, all of the four wins in conference play all were in Starkville. Uh, they have not had the most challenging schedule yet in the league. They have won seven out of their last nine, though. Uh, top 25 in offensive efficiency. Good offensive rebounding team. Uh, they are not expected to have Tolu Smith, uh, one of their good uh, big guys who um, has a knee injury that he suffered in their win over Ole Miss last weekend. He is expected to be uh, out uh, a little while. They, they're saying week to week, not day to day for him. Uh, several transfers brought in by Coach Howland for this season, and uh, one of them, DJ Jeffries from Memphis, a player who originally committed to Kentucky and then backed out and changed to Memphis and then eventually ended up transferring to Mississippi State. Garrison Brooks, who has played against Kentucky when he was at North Carolina, he is now at Mississippi State. Rocket Watts from Michigan State played against Kentucky. He is now at Michigan State. And uh, there are others, uh, Javian Davis from played at Alabama, a uh, young man that transferred in from NC State's on their roster. So um, they uh, loaded up on transfers and high D1 program-level transfers. So game time, 9 o'clock tonight. Our coverage will start on the U.K. Network at 7.30 Eastern with a countdown to tip-off show. Great game last night for Kentucky's next opponent, Kansas. Uh, they needed double overtime to beat Texas Tech, 94-91. I uh, watched most of this, and uh, Jayhawks had an eight-point lead with about under three minutes to play. They gave up a four-point play on one possession, hit one free throw, missed the second, kick it out, shoot a three, and that cut uh, an eight-point lead in half, and and Tech was able to chip away at it and get it down to a situation where they had the game tied. And uh, then at the end of the first overtime, looked like they might win it, and uh, Abaji hit a long three off the wing for Kansas with about seven seconds left to send it to a second overtime where Kansas was able to prevail. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Uh, They have some great menu items that you need to check out at Giuseppe'sLexington.com. Make a reservation at Open Table. Live jazz music every night to accompany your meal. Fantastic dining experience at Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll be right back. Find out more about the Voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. 16 past the top of the hour. Our show served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We welcome in our buddy Neil Price. He's the radio play-by-play voice for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Welcome back to the Bluegrass, Neil. It is good to be here and good to hear your voice, too. So, uh, you uh, heading to, um, I don't know, where, where would you head with Oscar today for lunch? <laughs> well, you know, I called him, and I don't know. Oscar had a lot going today, and <laughs> I don't know how comfortable he was getting out, you know. Uh, but uh, normally, this would be a Suggins day. And Suggins day, I have okay. A feeling, I have a feeling that it will be at some point later today. If, if I can find a way to get from downtown to there, it'll probably happen. <laughs> 
but uh, yeah, that's the great thing about coming back too. You know, I mean, the games are great, and I enjoy doing the games. Uh, you know, but I mean, I spent twelve years here, and every time I come back, I see a lot of people. I'll go to the arena tonight, and people will be kind to come over and, I don't know, shaking hands is kosher these days or what, but we'll shake hands or bump fists or elbows or whatever we do today. And, uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's nice to be missed. That's something I think people don't think a lot about, and uh, it, it, it humbles you a little bit, and you think about, you know, I had it pretty good for 12 years here. It wasn't a bad gig. And uh, it's always good to come back. You know, with the passing of, of Coach Hall, we've asked a lot of people who come on about, you know, favorite memories or stories. Uh, do you have uh, any favorite or memorable interactions with Coach Hall in your time here? Okay, so let's go back to 2012. Kentucky won the championship. And were you guys in New Orleans that year? Is that right? Yes, correct. Okay, so you and Mike and Jimmy were coming back with the team. And they were going to have the celebration at Rupp Arena. So the only people left to anchor the celebration were me and Oscar. So we set up on the floor at Rupp Arena while the team was coming back from the airport. Fans were in. We were watching the buses roll. Bay KYT had the helicopter flying over. We were watching you know, the buses come back from Bluegrass Field. And Oscar said, you know, Joe, Joe's here. Let's get him over and have him do something with us. So it was me and Oscar and Joe B. Hall talking about, you know, Kentucky basketball. And for one of many times I was here, I was the mule of the Kentucky Derby again. Uh, and I think I, yeah. And I think I ate lunch with, with Coach Hall once or twice over at Emanuel Baptist in that lunch group that he was always in with Oscar and Joe Gentry and some of those guys. I might have run into him at Wheeler's once one morning. Um, what I will tell you is what few interactions I did have with him. He was always very gracious, um, you know, just a, a wonderful guy to be around because he was always smiling. I remember that. Always had this, you know, kind of infectious laugh. Um, you know, I didn't know him near as well as a lot of people did, but you know, the the fact that that he's not with us anymore is is just unfortunately, you know, a, another connection to the history of of one of the great programs in the history of the game. It's just not not here anymore. It's good legacy to leave where uh, you just made people feel better when they were in your company, and that was certainly the way it was with uh, with Coach Hall. Let's talk a little bit about the game tonight. State's 13-5, uh, and 4-2 and two in the league. Um, going to be without Tolu Smith. How does that? Uh, how seriously does that impact them? Well, when, when you're talking about competing against a guy like Oscar Sheepway, I think it's really significant because, you know, Tolu was rebounding champion in the league a year ago. And in the games that he's been able to play, he has been a really good rebounder. Unfortunately for him, he's just not been able to string enough of them together in a row without something popping up, whether it's the injury or COVID protocol or, or, or whatever it might be. So he will be missed. Garrison Brooks has been good when they have had to play him in the five spot this year. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he handles a guy who is as aggressive and plays with the motor that Shibway does. Uh, and, you know, can Garrison shoot it well enough, you know, from 16 feet and out that maybe he can draw him away from the basket a little bit and open up some something for his teammates that is one thing he does probably better than tolu he has more range on the jumper 
so maybe that can impact it in some way. But but Tolu will be missed on the glass for sure. Is there any one guy that really makes them go? Oh, Molinar, easily. Uh, you know, I mean, he he has been really good in conference play, not to say that he wasn't good before. Um, I think, you know, selfishly, I think he's the best guard in the league that no one talks about. You know, and there there are a lot of really good ones. Kentucky's got two of them, you know, in, in Wheeler and Washington. But I, I just think that, you know, Iverson is very steady. He has been so much better this year at setting up his teammates. And even in, in having that attitude, has still found a way to, to, you know, score quite a bit on his own. So he, he's the straw that stirs the drink for the state team without question. Didn't he uh, make the shot that won the game in the SEC tournament? You know, I think you're right. Yes. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. A, he had a big game. He had a big game there. Uh, you know. You know, the other guy, the other guard nobody's talking about in this game, but they probably ought to, is Dante Allen. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Dante Allen, I think, made 15 threes in two games against State last year. And and I looked at his numbers this year, and I mean, I know he's not playing as much as he was a year ago, but I'm sitting here going, yeah, uh, that that that's a guy that, you know, if they bring him in tonight, I think everybody in Starkville probably is going to sit on the edge of their seat a little bit more because he, he absolutely – uh, made it tough on state last year in those two games. We talked about Molinar uh, being the, the guy that drives the team. Uh, what do they, when they're playing well, what do they do best? Well, I think when they're playing well, they're moving the ball offensively. You know, it's, it's changing sides of the floor. A lot of people are getting their hands on it. Uh, they're rebounding and they're really locked in at the defensive end. You know, there, there have been games this year where their perimeter defense has not been great. Uh, and I think that's a real concern tonight. Again, you know, for me, it, it all goes back to Sheepway because you, you pay so much attention to him in trying to limit his touches, whether you're helping or, or whatever you're having to do. And then you got a guy like Kellen Grady or Mintz coming off the bench or, you know, any of those guys who are spotting up and knocking down threes at a high rate. So, you know, I think their perimeter defense has got to be on point tonight to, to have a chance. And when they've been good, they've done that. Uh, and, and just think effort and intensity, just being consistent there. You know, when they beat Alabama two Saturdays ago, their effort was really good at both ends. Uh, first game at Ole Miss, they weren't very good in the first half, and they gave up 50, you know. And then they play the same team two weeks later, and they look like a completely different club and held them to 19 in the second half, you know. So, that, it, it's all about finding that consistency, I think, with their effort and energy. Neil Price, we'll see you down at uh, Rupp tonight. Thank you. See you, Tom. Coming up next, Larry Vaught joins the program. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. We'll be right back. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. 26 past the top of the hour. Welcome back into the program. Larry Vaught, after a week of vacation. We always, uh, Larry, wherever we all, any of us travel that uh, are followers of the cats, we always seem to run into cat fans. You were uh, in another country. Did you run into any cat fans in Cancun? Absolutely, Tom. It was it was really kind of funny. Started off with I met a 
couple from Minnesota, and she used to work for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I, I was reading, I think, John Wong's book, and she saw it and told me that, uh, so do you uh, follow Kentucky basketball? I said, well, yeah, I do. And she said, well, let me tell you, Carl Towns and his family are unbelievable. When I worked at the Timberwolves, he brought his mom and dad around and introduced them to every one of us that worked in the building. And his mom came back in several different times and would always visit with us, nicest people ever. I ran into another couple from up in the Cincinnati area who who were there and then as I was leaving going uh, to, to come back home in the Cancun airport ran into a, a man from Indiana who has standard bred horses brings her to the red mile and and races and he was wearing his Jared Lorenzo jersey huh. well small world yes it is um the Herald Leader sports figure of the year is going to be uh, announced here shortly uh, at this point, all the all the votes are in, so we'll know soon. Uh, I thought it was really tough this year. Who did you? Uh, who do you think is going to win it? I, I don't know. It, it, it's just amazing. I mean, for me, when I even looked at the final ten list, if I remember right, two of the people I voted for didn't even make the final ten. But I couldn't argue with anybody that was on there. But I had Jensen Castle and Mary Tucker from UK both on my final ten, and they neither one made it. But it was just an incredible year for for accomplishments by athletes and coaches in the state of Kentucky. I, I went with probably let my heart dictate a little bit, but I, I went with Lee Kiefer. I just thought what she did being from Lexington and in a sport that not many people participate in and to go win an Olympic gold would be the first uh, American to ever win the gold in, in that in, in, in sport and the adversity that she had to overcome to get there and I just thought her story was so good so I voted for Lee. Don't know that there will be a basketball figure in the top ten of that thing. Probably first time that's ever happened. Yeah, and and really, you, you can't argue with that because there were just so many other incredible stories. I mean, you just looked around. I mean, you could have made a strong case. You could have put ten people with UK connections in your top ten, and it would have been okay. Even though some others had extraordinary years, but there were so many individual or coaching. Situations at Kentucky this were incredible. At the University of Kentucky, this were incredible this year. So it, it was just by far. I thought in every one of these, you know, it was by far. I told Mark's story. It was the hardest ever. I mean, just coming up with my top ten was hard. And once you got your top ten, trying to pick which one you really wanted to vote number one in what order, that was really really difficult too. Very true. We'll uh, we'll know here shortly. Congrats to Mark on another outstanding job of managing that. Larry Vault's with us. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, return, refresh, refuel at Clark's Pump and Shop and the new Main Street Market for Clark's in downtown Lexington across from Rupp Arena where the Sunday morning sports talk show uh, emanates from with uh, Larry Vaught, Anthony White, Jack Pilgrim on uh, Sundays here in the Lexington Market. Um, Larry, let's talk a little bit about Kentucky basketball as the Cats jump back into action tonight. Um, I think they've got I think, uh, looked got a, a note last night. I think they have eight games left against teams in the Ken Palm top forty, nine left in against teams in the Net top fifty. So. They missed a great opportunity uh, to get one against Auburn on on Saturday, um, which 
probably going to make it difficult to win the SEC, have a shot to win the SEC regular season title, but there are going to be many opportunities, and this would be a quality win to get tonight to build their resume for Selection Sunday. Yeah, they've got pl- plenty of chances, and, and they need to keep doing that. They are, are playing well, but they need to pile some of these wins up, and they have uh, a chance tonight and have a great chance again on on Saturday when they go to Kansas, and apparently they're going to get Mississippi State when Mississippi State's a little shorthanded, and then I guess we find out tonight whether Kentucky's shorthanded or not. Certainly Orlando and Tequa didn't give away anything yesterday morning, and it seemed like with you last night, John Calipari took great delight in not giving away anything. It's like he was enjoying himself, but that, I, and I may be reading that wrong, but it seems to me that when Cal's kind of having fun and taking little jabs at the Auburn fans like what he did. And I love your expression when he dropped that line about them dropping their shorts or something. But I, I think if, if he thought Washington and, and Wheeler, or especially if he thought both of them weren't going to play tonight, that maybe he wouldn't have been in quite a good a mood with you as what he was. So I think at least one of them will play, if not both of them. Yeah, it's uh, you can always read uh, you know body language and those intangible things even more so than – uh, what people say. What about what's being said about Shaden Sharp? What are you reading there? I think I'm reading that uh, the Shaden's going to eventually play, and I took it since he said he went in. He was in practice yesterday, five on five for the first time. I wouldn't be stunned if he put him in a game tonight. A little bit if the situation was right for that, because I would think throwing him in there for the first time at Kansas that could be kind of a difficult. Spot. But again, if you're going to try to get him ready for to, where he can be a factor to help you in tournament play if you need him, I mean, you've got to start playing him some because, as, as you noted, Tom, that the games, there's not an abundance left. There's still plenty. But if you mark another week off the schedule, then you're starting to get closer and closer to tournament time. So I, I think he's going to play. I think the players, anytime you talk to any of them, they seem pretty. Uh, uh, to, Okay, with him playing and wanting playing, and if, and I think after seeing him like I did in high school, I think he's really really good. And I think these injuries just show you you better have all your weapons you can use. Go ahead and get them ready. So I think he's going to play. It wouldn't stun me if tonight's the first time we see him. It's um, a situation I was saying yesterday where you get you know this time of year had he come in say at the end of the first semester and you've got the Christmas break there where you have you play less frequently and uh, maybe you're playing a team or two that you know basically know you're going to beat that you have a more of a chance to work him in it's more difficult when you know a player comes in and you know early to mid-january because you're playing two teams a week and you've got to prepare for those games because those are all teams that can beat you uh so it's a slower process to incorporate somebody uh but then you also kind of counterbalance that with but if we do think he could help us uh then you know by march then we don't want to wait till the middle of february to throw him in there so you you know at some point you 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 know stick a toe in the water and see how it goes yeah and i, I think he told you that what, what would he do and he said score that's what we'll be counting yeah. on him to do that, that that's and that's a, a pretty assignment i think the shade would be used to to come in and score i'm not saying you need to play him 25 minutes a game but you might figure ways you can get him in for 8, 10, 12 minutes and, and see what happens because he's it's just an awfully good player to have sitting on the end of your bench 
watching. And you're right about it's hard to incorporate them in there. I know like when Orlando was talking yesterday about how do you prepare in case something like you don't have Wheeler and, and Ty Ty again. And he said, well, if you're if they're healthy and they're, and they're at practice, it's kind of hard to say, well, let's just take Wheeler and Washington out and just leave them sitting over here today and we'll just practice without them because you got to get ready for the game that you are going to play and hope that you are going to have them, which kind of goes along with what you were saying right there. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, you, you've got to, uh, put things in for the, the team that you're playing. And so you can't, you know, it's, uh, it'd be like a, uh, if you put it in, the, in a classroom sense, if a young person, young man, young lady comes into a classroom, you know, midway through a semester or something, you don't just, you know, uh, stop and do nothing but catch them up. You kind of balance, you know, catching them up with, you know, some responsibility on that individual to do some extra work on their own. And I'm sure it's that way for Shaden to, you know, do extra film study or extra individual instruction or talk to teammates and find out, you know, okay, when he says this, what exactly does that mean? And uh, all, all those kinds of things. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty telling yesterday when Jacob Topman was talking about that he always sees Shaden in, in the gym working, and that's what you want to see and hear about a guy that's, that's coming in like that. So, And I think he's a very likable young man. I don't think there'll be any Seems like chemistry issues with him or anything like that. I think this team gets along so well that they'll, un- that they'll understand that this guy can help us win. Let's play. You said uh, you saw him play in high school. What uh, stood out about his game? Just how easy he makes it look. I mean, he's he's a scorer from all all different levels, but he doesn't normally force things. He's not a guy that had to get twenty shots to get twenty points. Similar in some ways to how the Tata plays the game, just kind of lets it come to him. But just as a guy that just can score in a variety of ways, and you look up at the end of the game and you think, well, I wasn't really sure what all he did. And you look and Shaden would have. 22 points and nine rebounds, four assists, a couple steals. Just, I think he just plays in that flow, kind of like what Ty Ty does. I think the two of them will play together very, very well. Uh, the, I think it was Ben Roberts had the story with the uh, AAU coach, the mentor for Shaden up in Canada, who also was in that same capacity for Shea Gilgis Alexander. And uh, I think it's Coach Washington talking about you know, what Kentucky does to develop somebody. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's a well-reasoned uh, thought process to come in and say, you know, we're willing to sacrifice some short-term gain with the idea that uh, you get a long-term benefit out of it for the length of, of an NBA career and the uh, impact of, of an NBA career if you are more ready to play when you go in. But by the same token, you know, there's a point at which the the financial consideration maybe outweighs that. You you'll you 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 calculate that you'll figure out the other part as you go. If they've invested that much money into you, they'll give you more time. Yeah, we talked about that on Sunday morning sports about how if the reports are true that he turned down up to five million dollars to come to Kentucky, I'm not quite sure I could ever have advised my son or friends or anything to do that because, as you said, if they invested five million. And you to start out with, they weren't, they're not going to keep spending. So I, I think it's just one of these situations that you just we'll have to let it see how it flows out. And I think somebody might say something today, and that's what they really feel. And in April, they feel totally different. After, and that's just the way it's, it's going to be. But you've got Shaden here, 
and I would sure be on the on the bus that says take advantage while you got him right now and go if you can find a way to play him and use him it's going to make the team better go ahead and, and do that and we send uh, best wishes out to our, our buddy Jim Porter uh, up in uh, the Franklin Middletown Ohio area where for so many years he ran the uh, annual convention every summer for uk fans up there and i know you uh, were a frequent speaker and uh jim's uh bouncing back from a little covid battle so uh i uh, hope he's uh, doing continuing to do well yeah t- talked to him yesterday and he's he's at least home and out of the hospital but he's he's really really weak and still pretty limited but as he said at least at least he's still with us and he's at least showing some signs of getting better, so nothing but good wishes to him and good good wishes to our buddy Dick Vitale who's going to miss him yes. on, on air the rest of the season. Yeah, he announced yesterday that uh, his doctors don't want him doing any games the rest of the season uh, because of an issue with his vocal cords. Larry, thank you much. All right, Tom. By the way, speaking of uh, Jim Porter and all those great Kentucky fans up in that part of Ohio, uh, Mike Pratt and I are going to head up to Mom's Restaurant for a book signing in Franklin on Sunday from noon to one thirty. So if you're in that area or know people who are, let them know. Uh, all of Mike's uh, buddies from the Dayton area will hopefully come over. And there's a lot of great Wildcat fans who used to come to the convention that uh, are in that part of the world. So hopefully we will see them on Sunday at Mom's Restaurant right off the interstate uh, in uh, Franklin, Ohio. We'll be right back with Richard Skinner from WKRC in Cincinnati. Our show served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, and we welcome into the program Richard Skinner from WKRC, Local12.com. Uh, used to cover the uh, Cats closely, now uh, covering a lot of teams like the Cincinnati Bengals in uh, the uh, great city of Cincinnati. And it must be pretty crazy there, Richard. It is. I mean, uh, you know, the, the the first playoff win in 31 years kind of blew the top off of it, and, and you know, you got the head coach going to a bar and giving out a game ball. You got a couple other players going to different restaurants and bars giving out game balls. And, and then, you know, to beat Tennessee, and you look up and you go, well, it's one win from being in a Super Bowl. It, you know, it's one thing that the 31 year thing was a big, big deal. Trust me. I mean, you're talking a lifetime. You're talking about paying off a mortgage in 30 years since the last playoff win. That was a big, big deal. Then you start playing with a little bit of house money. And now all of a sudden when you start playing with house money, you think, all right, why can't you just keep doing this? And I think that's where they're at right now. They've, they've actually changed their model. Their model for a while was, why not us? To It is us. Um, they really believe. I don't know if they can go to Kansas City and win. That's a tall ass. That's a big ask. But they believe. Joe Burrow is, I'm sure, taking the city by storm. He's uh, very talented as a quarterback. What are the intangibles that you think make him uh... – uh, uniquely qualified to be succeeding the way that he is in that role. Yeah, this is incredible. So if you go back to last year's training camp where you where you didn't have an off season or OTAs because of COVID, and training camp was wonky because we weren't allowed in the locker room. We're still not allowed in the locker room, but it was it was wonky for the players too because they did everything virtually last year. Um, but literally from day one, because we did everything on Zooms. But from day one, you know, questions were asked about the guy because we didn't see him, we didn't talk to him, we just talked to players. We talked to him a little bit. And all anybody kept talking about was his leadership ability. And I'm not just talking about it being lip service, Tom. It was every, I mean, you could ask a third year guy, a seventh year guy, an offensive guy, a defensive guy, a white guy, a black guy. You name, you name every spectrum that you could come across on that team. And all they talked about was his leadership. And that always sounds kind of hokey because it sounds staged, but it wasn't because it was every guy from every spectrum just bought into him from day one. And, and that's just continued. And then they, 
you know, when you see him get injured last year and not complain about it and fight his way back to, I mean, when he got that, that knee injury, it was the hope of, well, maybe he'll be back at some point next meeting this regular season, next regular season. Um, and he was back from, from, from literally uh, day one of, of OTAs, at least out there. And it, he said it was important to him to show his teammates that he was on his way back quickly. And, and you know, then he's back for, for mini camp, and then he's back for full training camp. And he's a full go when the season starts. And, and then he gets beat up on Saturday and gets sacked nine times and doesn't complain one time. Um, you know, I asked C.J. Uzama about what was he like in the huddle. He said, same Joe. He got knocked down, got up, got in the huddle, called the play, said, let's go. You know, there's some quarterbacks that would, you know, I, and I get it, human nature. You'd yell at a lineman. You'd say, you know, block for me. I'm tired. You're going to block butt. anybody today? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And he didn't do any of those things. And, and I think when you do that and then you back it up with performance, you're, you're, you're a natural leader. It's interesting that you uh, honed in on leadership first and foremost, because here with Will Levis coming in, and he came in after right. spring ball, won the job, and that was the thing that, that Stoops and Liam Cohen talked most often about. They kind of usually started there when they talked about his presence that he had that uh, immediately kind of took command of, of the, the room and the players kind of gravitated to him. So I guess that... And, and, uh, and, then, and then like Will, yeah, like Will did, Tom, I mean, with, you know, then you come out that first game and you sling two long touchdowns. And yeah, I it's a, you got to produce it, too. It's a, it, yeah, it's a bye game, but still, you still got to do those kind of things. And then you go to Georgia and you lead a 22-play drive and you get the living daylights kicked out of you and you show leader. I mean, you do you have to do all those things too. And Will, Will right, Will did all those things, I'm sure. Um, what uh, shot do you give them against the Chiefs out in Kansas City? A, a, a good enough one. Um, you know, they played the Chiefs back on January 2nd. It was a game that clinched the AFC North. It was played at home. They got down 20-14 at halftime. It looked like they were never going to stop Patrick Mahomes in that offense. And in the second half, they hit the ball three times. Kansas City did, punted twice, and, and kicked the field goal. The defense kind of adjusted. They did a really good job of taking Tyree Kill away. He had six catches for 40 yards. They did a great job of taking Travis Kelsey away. He had five catches for 25 yards. KC did run the ball on them, and some of it was you're not taking everything away. Um, that was the day that they decided to single cover Jamar Chase, and he caught 11 passes for 266 yards. I'm going to guess Kansas City will try something <laughs> significantly different than single covering him all day on on, on Sunday. Um, I was asked on a national radio show Sunday about, hey, do you, do you wonder if Kansas City has a letdown having beaten the team that everybody thought they had to beat to get to the Super Bowl in, in Buffalo? And I said, yeah, and he said, I, I fully understand they're going to the AFC Championship game. No, I said I, it is. It's a logical question. It's the right question to ask because they kind of slayed the team that that was the team they had to beat in Buffalo. I said, except for the fact that they've lost one time since the calendar turned in November, and that loss was to Cincinnati. So it's not like it's all of a sudden they're going to look up and go, "Okay, it's only the Bengals." Good little old Bengals over in the corner. Let's pat them on the head and say, "Hey, good little guys. Good, good you're here." No, they they beat them. And so uh, if, if you were trying to get the surprise factor or the the letdown factor because of, of, of beating Buffalo probably being enough, you lost any of that. And so um, I, I think it's a big ass to go on the road in that environment with that team. I mean, let's not forget, I mean, that team has been in championships. They've won a Super Bowl. They've been to a Super Bowl. Um, it is the benchmark of the AFC and has been now going on four years. So it's a, it's a big ask. It's not an impossible ask. Um, I would be surprised if they went there and won the game, though. Quick uh, thought on another topic. Um, Louisville lost uh, last night, 64-52 at Virginia, really struggling yep. right now. You covered Chris Mack, I'm, I know, there at, yep. uh, at Xavier. Uh, I really thought he would do well there. Are you surprised that it hasn't worked out to this point? I, I am, and I don't know if you know if the if the if the deck if the, if the deck was stacked against him so much when he came in. Um, 
Did it affected recruiting? Uh, you know, Chris has taken some missteps uh, along the way. That, that the video with Eric Wood, a couple of other things. You know, the fact he was suspended for the first whatever it was five, six games of, of this season um, for the Dino Gaudio situation. Um, it, there's been a series of missteps, uh, and, and I am surprised because I'm a big fan of Chris. I, I coach high school basketball up here in Northern Kentucky, and I steal a lot of inbound sets from Chris. I think he, I think he's kind of smart with a lot of things he does X and O wise, and he's a He's a really good guy. He's a good dude, um, you know. But he's had a series of missteps, and I listened to a little bit of that, that that game last night myself. When I was driving back from some somewhere, and I got in the car. They were down five, and you know, all of a sudden I hear they're down ten, and then they you know end up losing by what they lost by. And I thought this this might not end well for him. Um, you know, maybe they give him another year to get this right, just because again how wonky everything has been with COVID and all that stuff. But you know, the fan base there isn't going to wait very long, and neither is the administration, especially especially with the new AD coming in. Richard Skinner, WKRC, and it's at Local12Skinny on Twitter. Thank you, Richard. You bet, Tom. Great to hear from you. Take care. Quick break, and we'll come back to close it out on this Tuesday game day edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington. This day in Wildcat history, 1987, David Robinson went for 45 but his Naval Academy team lost to Kentucky at Rupp Arena. It uh, remains the most points scored by an opponent in a game at uh, Rupp Arena against the Cats. He uh, ended up with a triple-double that day. Uh, One Wildcat birthday, Chris Mills. He is uh, infamous for uh, one thing in Kentucky basketball history, but uh, famous for another in that he is the first guy to... Uh, record a triple-double in the history of Kentucky basketball. There have been, uh, what, two more uh, since then in the uh, 2017 season. Coming up tomorrow, uh, we will recap the game with uh, Chris Fisher. Going to hope to see if we can get Coach Cohen on the air as well. And uh, he saw a picture from uh, him down on the sidelines at Tampa last weekend uh, on the Rams' sideline. Kentucky-Mississippi State tonight. And we will see you tomorrow to talk about it on the Leach Report. Thanks for listening.